44% of couples who get married today agree to do premarital counseling before they decide to take their wedding vows. I was Yeah. I was expecting it to be a little higher. Really? Yeah, I was. (laughs) I feel like people out here are just getting married. (laughs) Welcome to Love Beyond Belief, the podcast that's all about real talk on relationships without the religious spin. Whether you're swiping right, planning forever, or you're already knee-deep in married life, we've got your back. Beyond religion. Beyond tradition. This this is Love Love Beyond Beyond Belief. Belief. Today, we're going to be talking about premarital counseling. I don't know if you remember where our premarital counseling building was. All I remember is it had an elevator. It did have an elevator. It was two stories, right? Yes. (laughs) So right next to our premarital counseling building was another building where we used to drive to when I was in high school to get cupcakes instead of running during tennis off season. So you had to run to your car, get in your car, <laughs> yes. go get cupcakes. Yes, like half of the tennis team. Drive back, park, mm-hmm. and then finish your lap. And run, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, tail it in from the parking lot. <laughs> well, we did a similar thing in cross country where you could cut half of the lap around the school out by running through shop class. And so you can run through the big bay doors and be showered in metal shavings from the welding students. And I'm guessing you did that every time, of right? Because <laughs> of quit. your knees. It was because yes, of the knees. Until I quit and then join shop, which was a way better choice for my future. It really is. That ties into your woodworking now. <laughs> Lindsay wrote this one. I will be honest. I have the worst memory in the world. And I don't remember a lot about what we talked about in our premarital counseling. But you know what? I didn't take any pictures of us in premarital counseling. I usually. I, yeah, that was I, before we started documenting. I started scrapbooking a yearly album so that Cole never forgets our <laughs> life because <laughs> he has the worst long term memory. So anyways, how could you remember? I didn't document it via <laughs> photographs. But anyway, yes, we are going to be talking about why premarital counseling works. And this is from a non-religious purview. So just a little bit about premarital counseling. Um, For those of you who have not gone through it before, premarital counseling is like giving your relationship a head start before diving into marriage. I think it's about spotting potential issues early on and arming you with tools to tackle them so they don't become really big problems down the road. I think core tenant of premarital counseling is learning how to communicate with your partner. Yeah, that's true. And I think there were conversations that we hadn't had before that we were able to touch on during our premarital counseling sessions. We did eight sessions, I believe. Yes. We also didn't have any money (laughs) at the time. Um, So if you can do more, I don't think it's the worst thing. We also, I'm sure we'll talk about this later, we specifically asked our counselor to give us the non-religious version of the course. And she threw out about three quarters of the book. So I'm thinking we did eight sessions on, you know, about a fourth of what we were actually supposed to talk about. She lost a lot of money by taking us on as clients. (laughs) (laughs) So not a good deal for her. I totally agree with you. I like to think about it as when you're in college, the assignment is not always so hard. It's getting your group together and getting on the same page, right? So marriage is basically one large group assignment, but it's only two people. A never-ending group assignment. A never-ending group assignment, which... Yeah. So do you remember how we picked the counselor that we did? Um, I don't. I'm assuming they probably knew your parents. They actually did know my parents. Ah. But 
Um, (laughs) I went to school with one of their sons. So yeah. And it was a female counselor. We both wanted a female counselor. That was important to us. And it was close, decently close. It was close. Close Close-ish. I think at the time we had moved. Were we working? Yeah. We were, we were working corporate our first, well, I guess not my first, but our first together. Fun fact, everyone, Cole and I worked a corporate job together when we were engaged. We, um, were we engaged when we, when we were interviewing for the job? So we both went in for the interview because it paid well and it was in the area and we were like, it would be good if one of us got this job. And then we both got the job and we were on a team of like six people (laughs) (laughs) and doing web stuff. And they definitely, the HR people Facebooked us before and they were like, oh my God, these people are engaged. And they had to sit down with us when we started (laughs) on our first day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Um, I'm sure it'd be some kind of HR violation to fire us at that point. (laughs) Um, Do you remember what you were feeling before counseling slash did you ever think it was something you would actually do? Because I think if I remember correctly, I was kind of the one that brought it up because I was trying to impress your parents. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I come from a Christian religious background. So my parents were definitely gung-ho about doing premarital counseling and it being through the church, but we definitely did not want to do it through the church because unbeknownst to them, I suppose at the time we were not religious. And so it would have been a bit awkward to do it at the church. So we decided to seek out like an actual therapist to walk us through this. Um, the therapist happened to be still Christian, still Christian. <laughs> <laughs> which in, you know, we grew up in Texas. So in, in Texas, I feel like it's really difficult to find non-religious affiliated therapists that yeah. people recommend to you because most people are religious, I would say, in Texas, at least the people in our cohorts that we ran in. I think you could say that. Yes, at the time. <laughs> so anyways, I was a bit apprehensive because I knew premarital counseling in my head. It was an official member, like male member of the church that's being like a semi-father figure to you and kind of feeding some sense into the man. And you got to be ready to settle down, man. And, you know, forget your other obligations, um, you know, your single man obligations. And then I just felt like as a woman, I wouldn't be necessarily heard in that conversation. (laughs) It would be me learning how to submit in the marriage. So I didn't know what a secular premarital experience would look like. The other version of premarital counseling that I was familiar with was group premarital counseling, which a lot of churches do, (laughs) which we actually, we know some people who have gone through premarital counseling you you might not know. You'll but have to tell me offline. Yes, I will tell you <laughs> offline um, because I was very interested in their experiences. Different strokes for different folks, but I... <laughs> I just feel like being in a group of like 50 to 100 other couples and them most likely treating it like church small groups where you break into gender based small groups and have discussions just feels not unifying to me. And also you're kind of airing your grievances or concerns that I feel like are most likely very private with other people. I would hope that no one would have a full-blown argument in front of a group of 100 people. Although I am assuming there are people out there that will. Um, we should sign up for one and, and go and pretend to be newlyweds. 
<laughs> that would be fun. The only thing that I knew about counseling or premarital counseling is my parents did a financial awareness thing, six weeks course through their church. All I know, because I don't remember a ton of it, I was very young, is I'm assuming it's based off of some damn ram, damn old Ramsey. <laughs> damn Ramsey. <laughs> damn you Ramsey. <laughs> I want to buy that car. Um, Dave Ramsey. And on credit. God forbid. Oh, no. He smites you. He has like a one hundred number straight to God. <laughs> um, it's like a Dave Ramsey style thing because I remember we ate oatmeal and like hot dogs and stuff. Oh boy! For that whole six weeks, and then don't pretend like you didn't like the hot dog cart. <laughs> okay. Loved it. <laughs> You're not wrong. Glizzy City. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that was a big group thing through their church. I honestly don't know. I'm assuming my parents didn't do it. They were older. Do you think yours did? Uh, I don't know. I doubt it. I don't think they talked about it if they did. They met through the church, so I feel like you assume you're kind of safe. Why is premarital counseling necessary? It it gives you the first opportunity to actually sit down and have these conversations, start planning your future, do it in a setting that is not, I guess, killing the vibe Mm -hmm. of things that you would be doing or slash should be doing when you're engaged. I think the uh, assumption there is usually, you know, you're still getting to know each other. Maybe you've been together for a long time, but we all know it's very easy to fall into that rut of do your job, come home, eat dinner. You only want to really have a good time with each other because you hardly see each other, watch TV, go to bed. So when do you fit in these conversations like, hey, what should our 401k commitment be? (laughs) Uh, You know, Um, hey, how much student debt do you have? Like, I know I'm focused on the monetary um, topics for this. But I think those were the ones that resonated with me the most just because like we did not talk about finances. Yeah. At all. Because it sucks. Yeah. It really does. Uh, Bummer town USA. Yeah. Especially when you're in your early 20s and you're broke (laughs) and then you're trying to put together a budget plan and you're like with what disposable income. (laughs) Yeah. I think we were fairly good about everything else. Well, I found some interesting statistics. Um regarding premarital counseling and how many people actually go through it. So 44% of couples who get married today agree to do premarital counseling before they decide to take their wedding vows. I was was expecting it to be a little higher. Really? Yeah, I was. I feel like people out here just getting married. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I guess I'm so cautious and so type A that that freaks me out. (laughs) So I guess more people throw caution to the wind and they're like, we're in love. (laughs) We don't need this. We know. But I guess tacking on to those 44% of couples who do premarital counseling, Mm -hmm. they have a 30% higher marital success rate than those that did not. So interesting. That is interesting. And I feel like that's because you learn how to communicate and you're willing to have that conversation prior to getting married. So more than likely, I would imagine you're able to like have those sit down conversations or even go back to therapy yeah. intramarriage and not have 
any sort of stigma around having a therapy conversation. Yeah, I think this is a great opportunity for most people to experience therapy for the first time. I think it was your first time. It was my first time. I did about six to eight months in college before for like completely unrelated, obviously, (laughs) to relationship stuff. So I was a little bit familiar with it. However, that was very clinical, very lay on the couch. And this was honestly very nice. I felt like it was just a way to block out an hour get to know you better, yeah. you know, um, which is funny to say because it's like you're already engaged. <laughs> um, but just get to know you beyond why I fell in love with you yeah. and like getting into what are we looking at 30 years from now? Yeah. And, th- and that's a really, like I said, hard conversation to have. It's also good, back to that therapy thing, it's a really good way to have conflict resolution with the third party involved. Yes. Um, Without going into actual couples counseling, that's probably one of the only situations in your life where you'll have that. Yeah. And be able to experience what an argument's going to look like. Is your your spouse's argumentative style incredibly Mm -hmm. toxic? Does it remind you of, you know, your parents? Like this might be a situation where you've been dating for six months and have never actually had an argument because things have been going great, but you will have them. Mm -hmm. And is that something you want to find out what it's like after the honeymoon? You know what I mean? A hundred percent. And I think that goes back to, I, I also view premarital counseling as a good safety net to set yourself up for success as an individual, because If you realize in that space that it's not going to work out, that, oh, I, I guess I truly didn't know this person and I'm scared now, yeah. you can reconsider, you can postpone the engagement, you can call off mm-hmm. the engagement and you're not spending a ton of money on the wedding. <laughs> we will cover weddings on a different episode. Yeah, that is a whole nother can of worms. But well, t- right here, right? 10 to 15% of couples who invest in premarital education decide not to get married in the long run. That's kind of insane. I guess it goes back to what I said earlier. People just out here getting married. Yeah. Or people out here proposing to each other, at least. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we covered anything that would be enough of a bombshell for me even to con- reconsider my thought process. Obviously, everyone's situation is different. Yeah. I think we were very communicative people, though, and we did have a lot of deep conversations beforehand, and I feel like we knew what we were getting into. And one thing you should know about Cole and I is we were friends before we were with each other. So <laughs> Friends like, before lovers. Friends before <laughs> lovers. <laughs> yes, precisely. So <laughs> I think we had a good foundation of I genuinely enjoy being with this individual outside of a romantic sphere. So anyway, I think going back to what that actually, like let's paint the picture of what it looked like when yeah. we went to counseling. So- Okay, I'm closing my eyes. Close your eyes. <laughs> what was our counselor's name again? Let's just call her Tammy. Tammy, yes. <laughs> okay, that sounds like a good counselor's name. The so infamous Tammy. We walk in, Tammy's like, hey, what's up? You know what I remember about Tammy's office? Do you remember what kind of chair she had? She had a Herman Miller chair. Ah. Remember that? Because you asked her about it. And then now. I don't remember any of this. That's so funny. So now I have a Herman Schiller. A Herman Schiller. Oh, Herman Schiller. <laughs> Dude, you're getting a Herman. Oh, man. Well, if that's not copyrighted, you know what I like after a big bag of Cheetos? 
sitting in my Herman Schiller. Yeah, so she had a Herman Schiller. Um, <laughs> and she was a very petite woman, very cute, warming, had kind of a traditional office, but there was a big couch in the middle with yep. lots of pillows. Classic. <laughs> and it was nice because she had all of those big comfy pillows and you could kind of hold it and hug them. Your memory is amazing to me. <laughs> Um, yeah, it was a nice office and she was very kind and she would sit there on her Herman Miller chair and take notes of everything we said and she yes. would go back and reference her notes. So similar to, I suppose, couples therapy, <laughs> the show, it was like that, except she didn't have the beautiful Scandinavian design that yeah. this New York therapist or had. Or the cute dog. Or the dog. There was no dog. Yeah, I think the... That's experience a note, a been note for Tammy. Yes. Tammy, you know who you are. <laughs> no dog. <laughs> um, we love a dog, you know? When we were in there, things that we would talk about, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, we would talk about goals. Where do we see ourselves in five years, mm -hmm. right? We would talk about fears besides your driving. <laughs> <laughs> What's what scares me about you? <laughs> okay, my driving's not so bad. It's anymore. not that bad anymore. Anymore is the key. Thank you. Um, hopes, and that's proof that you can grow. <laughs> hopes feels like goals to me, but yeah, I mean, let's let's kind of back it up a minute because sure. we also went through a guidebook with Tammy. Oh uh, yes. So it's not like we just had these ad hoc conversations in therapy or she was presenting information to us and trying to pull things out. We had a guidebook and the guidebook, as mentioned before, Christian based yes. because the God is at the center. God is at the center. You're on the left side. I'm on the right side. We can't touch until <laughs> <laughs> God leaves. Once he blesses our marriage. Once, once he allows us to touch, then we touch, right? Sure. Don't touch before. We never touch. Don't never touch. We never touch before. <laughs> <laughs> and that was what we covered the entire time. So. <laughs> we didn't touch on the couch. There's actually two separate chairs. Yes, I assure you, I have never touched this woman. <laughs> Should we say the book that we went through? Yeah, why not? Also, it, while you're doing that, I am going to look up bad reviews for it. Yay. <laughs> okay, so let me find it. I wrote it down here. Okay, it's called Getting Ready for Marriage Workbook by Jim Burns and Doug Fields. Red flag number one, written by two men. <laughs> that was when I, um, I don't know, a little eyebrow was raised at Tammy, just a bit confused why there's no female input into this um, marriage book. But anyways, there are multiple sections and we essentially went through a section a week. Let me find the little Google excerpt. So yeah, while you're looking for that, here's a two-star review from Daniel. Shout out Daniel. Do you want to know all of the great things Bible says this guy can't spell <laughs> about relationships and marriage so you can get God's perspective? This book's not for you. <laughs> you didn't think there um, was enough God in it? It was he said it's actually amazing to me how you can write a Christian marriage book and mention God's perspective so little. I think that's why Tammy picked it for us though. <laughs> Tammy's like, this is the best I can do. Let's see what else. The authors dance around the Bible, but never really seeming to rely on what God says. Uh-huh. Personality tests are fun, but should never replace sanctification. 
confession and repentance. Oh, okay, Daniel. So, wow, Daniel. Strong feelings. Two, like the book. two stars. I wonder what he did like. Did he give a recommendation at um, least? No. That's kind he, of rude. I think he just literally wants the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's two like, stars, we got- <laughs> it wasn't a <the> Bible. <laughs> It's every book. You look at his log. Yeah. <laughs> Moby Dick wasn't the Bible. <laughs> Fine, not the Bible. <laughs> Lord of the Rings, four and a half stars. Close. <laughs> close. Okay. On theme, as at least. As close as you theme. can get to the Bible without mentioning the word God. Oh my gosh. Okay, so I'm just going to walk through a few of these chapters quickly to touch on things that we talked about that were actually very helpful for us. So we talked about from the get-go our goals, hopes, and expectations and relayed those to each other. So, you know, we're starting out very conversational, kind of getting into the act of therapy, especially for someone like me who had never done it before. It was helpful to kind of loosen up and just talk about yourself. It's easy to talk about yourself. I probably said something like, my mango Are we gonna end this is goodbye to blow up and act like I don't know nobody because this was around that time that I would have said something like that. A hundred percent. And Tammy would have said, I don't think you should marry him. I hope you're part of the ten percent. <laughs> In her log, she said part of 10%. Do you think Um, Tammy liked us? I do. I think we're probably funnier than most of her other people. (laughs) Yeah, I would imagine. I just feel like a lot of the people that were in the waiting room at Tammy's office. Sad energy. A little sad. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. But I feel like we were really hopeful. Um, we still are. <laughs> um, other things we talked about that were helpful, um, had really in-depth conversation about in-laws and how to deal with different family dynamics and talking about how you perceived your parents' relationships and how you want to take some things that you thought were emulating good behavior and then discard some. What does it look like? to have a marriage that doesn't include this, that, or the other. Because I think it's really difficult to kind of perceive what a healthy marriage looks like if you're not getting that in your day-to-day. So that was really helpful to discuss communication. Communication is a big one. It is a big one. That's something I feel like we were good at because we were friends. Yes. However, as time has gone on and we have undertaken more serious things Mm -hmm. such as, you know, renovating our house and things like that. The communication evolved. So now I'm not just your husband, but I am also like a contractor figure in your life. (laughs) Sexy contractor. (laughs) Can I hit on my contractor? (laughs) But, you know, the weight of communication and style of communication can change the marriage. So it just gives you, I think, a good foreshadowing into some things you might get into that you're not you know thinking of yeah and like we discussed how to argue and in in a healthy manner and I think asking the other person how do you feel during an argument because there were (laughs) (laughs) but yeah I I definitely was quick to anger I feel like at the beginning of Mm -hmm. our marriage I didn't know how to communicate my desires in a soft tone. (laughs) And so that was something that we discussed in therapy and then something I'm constantly working on. So that was really helpful. Some other things that 
were very helpful for us, I think, was the work slash career conversation. At the time, we were very fresh, very out, just right out of college. Yeah. Um, and we both had that sparkle in our eyes of, I'm really going to do something great in this Fortune 500 company. <laughs> and then you go there. I'm not going to talk about <laughs> my feelings on work right now. Well, they kind of suck the life out of you. Yes. Because that's what I'm getting at. <laughs> we, yeah. We came out of college thinking we were going to like start a tech company. (laughs) That's essentially what they put in our brains is you can do anything. And you guys were setting you up to be tech entrepreneurs. Go. You can do anything you Mm want to do. And And I did. Just just not that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, we were trying to get married and we needed good paying corporate jobs. And we achieved that, which was you know, a blessing, but (laughs) we uh, didn't realize that when you kind of sign your soul over, you are no longer the star of the show, Debella DeBall. Debella DeBall. And that was one of the reasons why, you know, we put this podcast off for such a long time is we, this is still something we struggle with is that work-life balance and wanting to do something more, but not having the time to. And, you know, it's it's a constantly evolving conversation when it comes to that. Yeah. Some other things that you might pick up from premarital counseling is a lot of stuff that we kind of glazed over because I feel like we do come from the same background. However, I could see many situations where if you were not raised the same or maybe one is having a trauma or a past experience with relationships or sexual abuse or just abuse abuse, it's that safe space to have that conversation with a third party, with your partner of, hey, can't really do that around me. Like there's baggage there. There's this, there's that, you know? Yeah. At the same time, like I said, we glazed over a lot of it, but I do think that that would be very beneficial just from that third party, that mediator being in the room. And like I said, it's not stuff you want to talk about when you're going to see a movie. Yeah. It's the time to have those difficult conversations and knowing that there's a third party there that's here to support both of you and is, you know, has your best interest at heart. Yeah. I think it helps with that level of vulnerability. I know finances was a big one for us. Yeah. I would say that that was probably our biggest takeaway. Yeah. Finances and family slash integration of our lives, right? Yeah. Finances thing, you know, the, there's not going to be a one size fits all option for that. Everyone yeah. comes from a different <laughs> lifestyle, different socioeconomic background. I think the big one for us was that I like to spend money. And And also, you didn't own anything. That's true. (laughs) We got married. You had four suitcases of clothes and a dresser. Yes. And the table we bought together at the thrift store that we're currently recording our podcast (laughs) right now. It's a beautiful piece. Beautiful mid-century from Salvation Army. You and I are both thrifty in what we buy together. Yes. But I have addictions of audio equipment and first edition books. And you like to spend money on skincare, skincare, consumable objects. Right. And so that was like, I guess I never thought about how am I spending my money? If you if you made a little pie graph like they do on your credit card, right? (laughs) of um, food, shelter, entertainment, and bullshit. It's your hierarchy of needs. (laughs) (laughs) Food, shelter, bullshit. Food, shelter, bullshit. (laughs) My bullshit pie is like 80%. Yes, correct. (laughs) (laughs) And yours is probably going to be a added pie of cosmetics, food, (laughs) and entertainment. 
Yes. That would probably be your. So it, it just took a lot of conversating around that. Like there, I think without getting too, I guess, we'll collegiate. Have, yeah. And we'll have another episode yeah. that digs into how we landed on our financial structure and some tips on kind of how to go about that conversation. Cause it's very important. I guess my point is, is yeah, just talking about it, us sitting there talking about it, explaining our philosophies. I feel like I brought you over on my side a little bit. I feel like I completely also understand your priorities and, and what you like to spend money on. And it's beneficial because I think, I think if you don't respect your partner's opinions on what they choose to spend your combined money on, yeah, that's going to lead to animosity. Exactly. And I think it's important to understand, I guess, the hobby financial burden from the other person and not holding that over their head, like knowing what you're marrying into. So I married a collector. Um, so Cole has been... Could be worse. It could be worse. I mean, certainly. But I... I did not grow up in that culture. We don't have anything in our home at all. We are the antithesis of collectors. And so, you know, you have every vintage Japanese toy on earth (laughs) in your house and you have some that are for pleasure for personal collection. You have some that are aging like fine wine to sell them in the cellar (laughs) so that they appreciate (laughs) exactly like wine. Yes. So, and then you have some that you're flipping on the regular. So anyway, you have your rhyme, you have your reason. And I knew that I could not marry you and be the, this stuff can only live in the basement type of wife. (laughs) I think of Juno, you know, like the wife that they're trying to give the baby to Jason Bateman uh, and Jennifer Gardner's characters, you know, she does that to him. And then Juno thinks he's really cool. And clearly he doesn't get that from the wife and it causes havoc. You marry their hobbies. It is true. You also, you marry their family. Yes. Which... (laughs) can suck. (laughs) It can also be very good. Yes. I always envisioned, this is kind of sad, but I was an only child. I kind of always envisioned marrying a woman with a brother or two that I would really get along with. And we would go to hunting place and hunt. It's funny. I was about to say fishing. (laughs) We would go to fishing place and fish. You and your sisters and their husbands, we would all have children at the same time. And you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And create a commune for us. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, That we're all related to, though. So it's okay and safe. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) But I wanted that bigger family feel because that was, I think, probably the only thing that I missed out on. Yeah. Growing up, you know, I didn't really get that so much, which we'll probably tell the story one day. But even now, you know, we both decided to move away from our families. And so we're definitely not getting that. And that's putting a lot of pressure on things that I'm not super comfortable with, which is making friends. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) You don't want to leave the house? That's news. But yeah, I think like I didn't ever imagine marrying an only child. I thought I was going to marry into a really loud, exciting family. I think we both had dreams of that, which is funny. It's kind of funny that we both dreamed of big, loud. Well, it's Hallmark, right? 
Yeah, it is. It's that Hallmark moment. Picturesque. Playing football on Christmas with your 29 extended <laughs> family members. That all love each other. That all love each other. <laughs> There's one person that everyone hates. What more could you ask for, really? <laughs> and your family is very quiet, perhaps very even quiet. more quiet than my family. And, and no music in the house. No music in the house. That was a huge shock to me because we always have smooth jazz on in the house. <laughs> the smoothest. The smoothest. And then I walk into your house and I can actually hear my thoughts run from ear to ear and it was frightening to me it's a morgue for antiques <laughs> <laughs> it is like a museum where you look at antiques and you appreciate them but you don't actually touch well you can hear the cows mooing outside that's nice <laughs> it is sweet it's that's sweet mooing ambiance they're actually the entertainment they're doing moose jazz <laughs> moose jazz oh, oh Dave God. move back hey get out of here cut it out <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think the last big thing we talked about was, well, a few things. Like we talked about our spiritual journeys um, and we were both, you were pretty far along in your deconstruction journey. I was so deconstructed. You were so deconstructed. I was 100% <laughs> gone from church for about nine years Yeah, at that point. Yeah. And I would say... I was out of church for four-ish years. I wouldn't say I'd started my deconstruction journey. I just wasn't thinking about just, it critically. Just not giving it any time. Yeah, no effort. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Which was not healthy at all. And I think the first few years of our marriage was a lot of me rapidly deconstructing, really looking into it, really challenging how I grew up. And that was hard in its own right. Went to special therapy, solo therapy for that. We can touch on deconstruction construction at a different time. I think the last big thing we talked about was all sex. <laughs> <laughs> we take it so seriously. I must have blacked this whole thing out because I didn't. There was a whole chapter on it. You oh, don't no. remember that? No. That's funny. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if we should say probably it's probably fine to say like what are we saying i was not i was not a virgin oh my god i didn't even know <laughs> fuck <laughs> that's why i started this podcast to break the news to you oh my god we were we both had partners before we were also cohabitation yes i think it was implied that we were already having sex i think our therapist was very uncomfortable i also remember our therapist was very upset that we had a TV in the bedroom. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Both are. We also have a lot of friends that don't believe in it, which I'm, it's you know fair. what? You're it's You're healthy fine. as fuck. Like, congratulations. Good for you. <laughs> I have to watch documentaries to fall asleep. That's just how it is. I remember she was so disappointed in us, but that was funny because I we didn't think twice about it. No. We weren't like, is this going to affect our normal. intimacy? I, my grandmother... Would fall asleep watching, want to take a guess? Gilligan's Island. Close. That's so Raymond. Really? Oh, yes. that's cute. Every night. And then I do believe it was either that, then King of Queens, or the other way around. Is it? No, everybody. No. <laughs> that's every so Raymond. <laughs> it's a combination. It's everybody the... loves Raymond. Oh my gosh. It's the Disney Channel mashup though. Like when they used to do the sweet life of. Um... The sweet life of Raymond. <laughs> He's in a hotel for the weekend. Yeah. Um, what is it? Everybody loves Raymond? Everyone loves Raymond. Everybody loves yeah. Raymond. Raymond. <laughs> oh my God. That's funny. You combine those shows. Yeah, she would always fall asleep. And I it it was to the point where I don't know if she would be able to sleep mm -hmm. without either of those shows on. 
Well, my sister's like that with the office. Your sister is like that with the office. I'm over at her house and she was working a late shift. And so I fall asleep, don't need television. Right. And then she comes back, turns the office on. I can't sleep with the television on. And so I I wait until yeah, I hear- Because I wear my AirPods. Exactly. Yes. Marriage saver. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay, the TV's on. I hear her snoring uh-huh. and I'm like, all right, now it's my chance. I grab the controls. I turn it off. As soon as it turns off. Just. <laughs> with the Yeah, I had to sleep for like four days with the office on all night. Lullaby for that baby. Speaking of the office, how many hours of working in the office would you have to do to pay for a session of therapy? Yikes. Yeah. Um, well, interesting that you ask. I believe back when we got married in 2018, going rate right was around 50 to $75 a session, probably 50 to $100 because we thought $75 was a, a good rate. We only saw those cheaper rates for Christian counseling. Yeah, I feel like if it's at a church, <laughs> yeah. they're like, actually, come down now, $100 value free. Which I think is why a lot of people do those group sessions because it is more economical, but I just don't feel like you're getting true deep connection that you're probably craving through therapy. Yeah. And I, I'm sure now too, like since COVID, there's probably a lot more online options. And I would assume they would be cheaper as well. Yeah. Um, the only thing that I would find hard, I don't know if anyone's watched Coupled Therapy from Showtime, but there's a couple on there that literally just screams at each other. <laughs> and it was going okay until they had to recess because of COVID. And then they did a stint of the show. Virtually. Virtually. And without that therapist in the room, this couple just screams at each other for three and a half hours. <laughs> And so there is there is something to say about having a physical body butts and seats <laughs> butts and seats in the room to prevent an escalation. Yeah, certainly because I feel like you have a little wind down session at the end too like the last 5 minutes the therapist is talking and it's not you guys just being combative yeah. if you are having a heated argument. Right. So you have a way to deescalate before you leave the premises. Yeah. It's like <gasps> It's so hurtful when you call me. Oh, time's up. <laughs> G2G. <laughs> Good luck, y'all. <laughs> See you next time. From what I saw online, going right today for a secular premarital counselor is anywhere from, they're claiming $50. I don't know where they're. That might be the v- virtual thing like we're talking about. Yeah, you you're know. right. To like 175 a session. Church-affiliated sessions, a little bit less, $25 to 125 And then... So they charge you more to not talk about God. <laughs> and then they're also probably including what you're tithing. <laughs> they're like... Oh. <laughs> yes. The rate of return on these kids. <laughs> Very high. The long con. So you give them a little sample. <laughs> And then they're hooked. And then group seminars are around $100 to $300 for the full seminar. So like I said, it is much more economical to do a group seminar. I just don't believe that you're doing the work that needs to be done to have those hard conversations. A few of the people I knew who did group sessions, I personally still felt like they hadn't had the hard conversations before marriage. And that was evident as we continued that relationship with them through their married life. Yeah. 
Oh, I totally agree. This is definitely something we'll talk more about. Yeah. I think there's so many premarital counseling options out there in terms of DIY things, actual courses, you know, like we were talking about the churches. However, it is pretty freaking hard to find a decent book that is not like God focused. And so, you know, I think we would like to explore that more in the future. I do believe it was valuable. I don't think I would have felt as secure going into a young marriage without having premarital counseling yeah. because you don't know what you don't know. And having someone to facilitate hard conversations really um, appeased any apprehensions I may have had. Mm. namely, you know, financial, future planning, in-laws, all that stuff. Same for me. Um, I kind of touched on it at the beginning, but we were so young. I felt like actually showing up and doing a little bit of work from a perspective of the outsider, from like your parents and just the community, somehow proving <laughs> that by doing this for a few hours that I was a little bit more committed than I guess some kind of shotgun wedding, which is how I feel most people look at. <laughs> young the, weddings. Young weddings, when, yeah. like the ages that we got married at. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I felt the pressure to do it just to maybe get people off of our backs a little bit or, you know, talk less, I guess, about it. Yeah. But uh, do you feel like hindsight, it was more than just checking a box? I So I guess that was my intention. And actually going through it, I did benefit quite a bit. We still use things we learned in counseling. Yeah, I think that was great. Um, do we want to wrap up with a little game or? Yeah, let's play a game. Sweet. So this one's called um, Yo's and Woes. So okay. <laughs> I'm calling it Yo's because we've been watching Breaking Bad. And when we see each other around the house, we say, Yo, Mr. White. So, Jesse. <laughs> yeah. So yo's and woes is very similar to what was the one you were saying? Um, Roses and, and thorns. Isn't that that sexy elf book? <laughs> That's a court of thorns and roses. Ah. And if you guys need any outside reading, that definitely pertains to premarital counseling. <laughs> <laughs> so yo's and woes works like this. What about today made you happy? What was a puddle of mud? in your day. And why this is important is one, whatever makes you happy, if it involves me, I can keep doing that. Whatever makes you sad, I can quit doing that. But it also gives me an opportunity to practice active listening with you and really hear what made your day special. Because I think little moments and little things like that actually do matter. Yo's and woes. Yo's and woes. Well, I will kick it off. Um, my yo for today was going on our hike with the dogs this morning, went on a new trail and we saw baby cows. We had to stop and wait until the Cataline cleared and they went down to drink their water and then we got to keep going with the dogs. It was really sweet. We have aspirations to have a farm one day and so being you know, around any farm animals always warms my heart. So that tickled me. And then, woe for the day. Today was wonderful. So, <laughs> <laughs> so little baby woe was UPS being closed for my LL Bean return that I boxed mm, up. Yes. Lame. My yo is we went to Whole Foods, which we usually don't do because expensive. it's kind of expensive. And we bought a bunch of ingredients for the new bread maker that's being delivered tomorrow. Something that I've actually wanted for like over a year. I think I've told you I really want to make bread because <laughs> it seems like 
something that you're supposed to do when it's cold outside. So we got some flour. We're going to try some sourdough. We're going to try some marbled rye. rye. You got some cinnamon raisin. Raisin ingredients. Ingredients. (laughs) Oh my God. I actually forgot the raisins. (laughs) (laughs) My woe, though, not getting these microphones leveled. Um, so if the episode sounds like garbage, I'm tired of messing with it. We have sat here and recorded test audio samples, little bits over and over and over. And Cole is a perfectionist with audio. He used to work as an audio technician. So at one point it will be absolutely pitch perfect. We're going to be the movie pitch perfect at one point. If it takes me sitting in a closet with padded foam all around me. I will achieve good audio. Um, Anyway, I appreciate you guys coming back. We're having fun. We're having a lot of fun. See you later. See you later. See ya. Thank you. Bye. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Bye, y'all. Bye. Thank you. Bye. See ya. Bye. Hey. Bye. Good to see you. Bye. Hey. It was nice talking to you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Your support means the world to us. Thank you to our sponsors and advertising partners for helping to make this show possible. A special thanks to friends of the show, Odd Folks. If you like their music, you can find them on Spotify. All research and production of the show was done by your host, Cole and Lindsay. You can find our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take it easy. Beyond Belief Production, okay?